The 21st century bodhisattva related a phone conversation with a student who now lives far away. The student is a knowledgeable practitioner, diligent and reflective. For purposes of this writing, we'll call her Dawa, the Tibetan word for moon. Here in the West, Tibetan Buddhism is not a conveniently accessible practice. There aren't many cultural supports for the practices of meditation, selfless generosity, etc. In contacting the Bodhisattva, Dawa hoped to discuss a challenge she's having with her practice relating to the repetition of mantra recitations, an aspect of her regular on-the-cushion routine. I so enjoy my practice, Dawa explained, and there are many times in which I am completely taken by the beauty and, yes, majesty of the effect Dharma has on my mind and, by extension, my life. You've always taught that all aspects of Dharma, teachings, meditations, practices, etc., are interconnected, parts of a mind-mandala system each merging into the blending of the whole. From that, I've come to experience the interactions between my lay vows and the repetitions of mantras and how each supports and strengthens the other. Often aware and mindful of this connection, I am so grateful to have come to this path and for this, I genuinely thank you. But there are times when reciting mantras my repetitions begin to feel mechanical and disconnected, almost acting like a deadening rhythm on my mind. They sound awkward and far away to me, foreign almost. Even my treasured mala, which, as you know, I received on the day I took my refuge vows, becomes uncomfortable in my hands, superstitious, in fact, like nothing more than a string of groundless charms. The Bodhisattva smiled at Dawa's description, having felt much of the same during the initial years of her own practice, as well as sensing similar disconnection at times with many of her students, not just beginners. Determining to deepen Dawa's understandings of the methodologies of mantra practice, she began by explaining how mantra repetitions, beyond their reiterative nature, often bring about audacious results. After acknowledging Dawa's challenges, the Bodhisattva began. Well, Dawa, the word mantra is a Sanskrit word, with man referring to mind, and tra to release and it is through Sanskrit's vibrational effects that the powers of our mantras are experienced. In fact, in one of his books, the Dalai Lama shared wonderful perspectives as to how the word mantra relates to mind protection, which in our world of endless agitations and distractions is precisely what many of us need most. When doing mantra practice, we sit, quiet down, set intention, focus, visualize the qualities of mind the particular mantra empowers, and allow the often stubborn interactions with our busy thinking mind to begin to lighten and release. 
It is in the spirit of experiencing the peace of bodhicitta residing in our deepest mind, which the vibrational quality of soft mantra sounds and syllables help allow, that we engage with our chosen prayers and or mantra. As our practice progresses, we begin to find the easy rhythms of mantra chanting bringing about moments in which we are calmer, more at ease and joyful. This doesn't happen by chance, nor is it some sort of self-satisfying trick. And so, once again, in conjunction with the practitioner's flexibly open mind, a mantra's power lies within its vibrational qualities. You've probably heard it said that Sanskrit is a language of vibration. Dawa responded she had, but didn't really understand what that meant. Well, scientists tell us that everything manifest in the universe is, in essence, the vibration of atoms and molecules. And so, with a fertile mind, to touch and deeply experience the transformative effects of this ancient vibrational language is to come into direct communion with the purest energies of what we essentially are. We mingle, we merge with that. Dawa, during those times when you're in harmony with your mantra recitations, otherwise known as chanting, have you noticed a subtle rising up of energy, how perhaps immediately following deeply focused mantra practice, you can actually experience yourself as being a gently flowing energy? Well, eventually, this awareness of flowing leads to a profound and luxurious stillness. And in this stillness, within which oneness resides, brings an undeniable sense of unity with all things. This, the inherently potent merging of Buddhism-supported mind states in concert with the vibrational qualities of Sanskrit, has been experienced and understood by Dharma practitioners for centuries who recite teachings and prayers in their own Tibetan language but have preserved and practiced their mantra recitations in Sanskrit. I always smile at how Lama Yeshe, one of my foundational teachers, would refer to this merged union of Buddhism and Sanskrit as simply nuclear, dear. After some time for reflection, the Bodhisattva continued, Dawa, dear, I truly appreciate and respect how you've established the connection between your refuge precepts and mantra practice and your awareness of the challenges mantra practice can bring about. This is a very deep and insightful relationship between kindred aspects of Dharma practice. That these have found each other in your mind is wonderful. I rejoice for you. And with that, please do understand these challenges of which you speak are quite normal, especially for those of us raised and living here in the culture of the West. Don't worry about your occasional awkwardness with the mala. 
perhaps it is best not to consider your mala as some sort of spiritual talisman or as a superstitious string of, as you say, charms. I regard my mala as a trusted tool aiding in the shepherding of my wandering mind. Perhaps you can use yours in the same practical manner. Most importantly, as you do your practice, be it prayer and or mantra, continue to relate it earnestly to the beauty of your path and the intentions of virtue you rise and retire with each day. The Buddha taught and our lineage teachers have emphasized that the consistent, deliberate repetition of soft, calming Sanskrit syllables provides a direct, enriching stimulus to the spirit in which you practice and then to their nourishing effects on your mind, the predecessor of each moment of your daily activities. Through repetition in practice, you remain always remindful of the vows and promises you've made and which you use to guide your life. There is profound force in that awareness. As you progress, there may come a time when you no longer need to recollect your vows, as they will have become intuitive to your perspectives, intentions, and actions. But I suspect you will always experience depth and clarity within your mantra practice. A few moments of silence, during which the bodhisattva could sense seeds of understanding blossoming in Dawa's mind. There was just a bit more she wanted to share before concluding. Remember, Dawa, prayer and mantra are not just performed with vocal cords and lips but with the aspect of mind we call heart. As a result, those who practice with diligence and honesty come to understand that the heart, where our refuge commitments sit enthroned, must be pure and clean. Often it is the effort of repetition that's needed to bring something to cleanliness. And while language of the lips is easily taught, the cleansing language of the heart must be grokked by each of us individually. In the days to come, after mantra practice, pause and notice how quiet your mind has become by emitting these vibrational sounds and perceive how, from a place of stillness, you sense a joyful unity with all. It is our resonance with these precious ways that deepens into wisdom as we walk each step on the Buddhist path I lovingly suspect you'll find your mantra practice to be an increasingly precious confidant as you travel through your life. Dawa and the 21st century Bodhisattva exchanged warm tidings as they concluded their phone talk. This recording was written by Mark Winwood. My name is Kathy Ambrose. Mark is on the teaching faculty at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, and is the founder of the Chenrizik Project, a Tibetan Buddhist study and practice group with a national online presence. In addition to these Elegant Mind podcasts, we facilitate online Sangha gatherings and teachings, share writings via our weekly e-magazine, and host various events. You can learn more about the Chenrizik Project at our website, 
www.chenrezigproject.org. That's C-H-E-N-R-E-Z-I-G project.org. Our accompanying music, titled Surprise, was composed and performed by the San Francisco Bay musician Bobby Vega. It appears on his 2017 album, Matters of the Heart. Bobby's reputation for feel is legendary, and with this album's music, he shares how transitions and melody can be expressed in creatively new ways on acoustic bass where slight variations in feel, touch, and timing can speak emotional volumes. You can learn more about Bobby and his music at his website, www.bobbyvega.com. That's B-O-B-B-Y-V-E-G-A dot com. Or, as he's very findable online, you can simply Google his name or look for his numerous videos on YouTube. We remain grateful to Bobby for his friendship, his talents, and his generosity in sharing his beautiful music with our Dharma audience. Again, my name is Kathy Ambrose. Please feel free to share the link to this podcast with those you feel it may resonate. And as always, thank you for listening.